Why did Tige not sing? Because he just doesn't, you know, like being a part of our group. And why did Tige not sing? Because he doesn't like being part of our group, and he just chooses better things. He changed his mind. That's what he's doing. Lindsay, we're just adding a, a wrinkle into your plan. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. You're a volunteer at a church sound system. It's all wrinkles. That's all wrinkles. That's church sound sound is all wrinkles. It's just...
The stand is five minutes and 21 seconds long. Two minutes. Two minutes. Five minutes long. Okay. Yeah, what am I looking at? Yeah, okay. Yes, yes, yes.
Well, just as a reminder, I told you I was going to talk a little bit about some announcements. Uh, we still have a chance, it's a little over two weeks from now, almost three weeks from now, to help out at Marmon Valley. If you want to be a part of that, you can sing or you can just be a, help out with all kinds of things. It's chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. I, I don't have to tell you that that's not always easy, is it? That's not always easy, to rejoice, to pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And sometimes we think, well, that's, that's, that's nice, that's, that's a nice idea, or maybe it's a nice suggestion from God to us, but that's not a suggestion from God to us, that's a, that's a command from God for us, from God for us, in fact, Paul goes on to say, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what he wants for your life and what he wants for mine. You know, when we, when we give thanks, when we pray, when we rejoice, you understand, we don't give God power when we do that, okay? We don't make him feel better about himself when we do that. We don't cause him to realize, oh, this must have been a good thing that I've done. No, all of these things that God tells us to do, all of these things as far as rejoice and praying and giving thanks, these are for you and me. They benefit you and me in our lives and our perspective, how we see life, how we go through life, how we tackle some of the hard things and difficult things in life. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you know, what's your IQ? Do you know your IQ? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Is it off the? Is it off the? Off the chart, Eric? Is it cleared out. Yeah. See, we're we're close. Closer to zero. That's right. Than than not. I don't know if I ever want to know about IQ. Your intelligence quotient. I, I I suspect that you can go your whole life and never know your IQ and be perfectly fine. Okay. I don't want that question answered. What is your IQ? In fact, I'll probably never look into that don't care, I'll move on with life. You see, an IQ doesn't just measure intelligence, it measures potential. You know, your ability to learn, to grow, to apply credible things in life. And sometimes we do ignore our IQ, and I don't blame you, but there is something in your life that you cannot ignore. And this is important, this, this requires self-reflection because it's going to change your life for the better or for the worse, depending on if it's strong or if it's weak. And that is not your IQ, but your GQ. I'm, I'm, GQ. I'm not talking about Gentleman's Quarterly, you know, the magazine with all the male models and stuff, and I haven't worked with them for years. Now, I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about your gratitude quotient, not your intelligence quotient, but your gratitude quotient. High or low? Strong or weak? Is it something that can build, something that can grow? Is it something we focus on? Is it something that's important in our life or is it not? Your gratitude quotient, how often do we express gratitude? How much can we express gratitude or should we express gratitude? But more, what is the depth? What is the depth of that gratitude, that thanksgiving? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask, Father, that you help us to realize and know today the importance of thanksgiving in our life the ability to accept an incredible gift from you, Father. We ask that we, our minds 
focus on the incredible love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ right now through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17, and that is what I want you to focus on. We, we get to focus on a lot of things when it comes to Thanksgiving. Uh, many of those are material blessings, temporal blessings. I, I want you to focus on eternal blessing, all right? I want you to focus on eternal gift today, this morning, and I'd like you to focus on eternal gift throughout your Thanksgiving season this year, Luke chapter 17. Now, this story is told uh, often to kids as they're growing up. You've probably heard this story. Uh, and, and, and while we, we realize and we understand some aspects of this story when it comes to the importance of Thanksgiving, I don't think we necessarily have applied every aspect here to our own lives, looking at our own plight and our own walk through this life and through this world, our own walk in Christianity. Luke chapter 17, I'm just going to read, you know what, tell you what, I'll just turn there, that way you and I will be on the same page. I'm going to read Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 11, I'll just read through the whole thing here, and then we'll go back through it. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border of Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Leprosy is a horrible disease, very, very painful. Uh, often is, uh, you know, eventually leads to death. However, the word leprosy here is used for many different types of disease and many different types of skin disease. Anyway, ten men who had leprosy met them. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. In other words, he was from out of town. He was a foreigner. He wasn't even around this area. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This story is about us. Do you understand that? This story is about you and me. And, I, and, and this often isn't how this is taught to children in Sunday school. But the story is about you and me. That's why it's here. It's for us to know and us to learn and us to apply in our lives. Verse 12, at least the first part of verse 12, as he was going, that is Jesus, as Jesus was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Ten men, ten men who had a leprosy, ten men who had a problem, two men who were dying met him. And not only were they dying, no, not only were, did they have a serious problem in their life, because of this, they were separated. They were outcasts. They couldn't go home, they couldn't go to work, they couldn't spend time with their loved ones. They were separated, as it were, forever because of this illness, because of this death that surrounded them. You see, that's the struggle. That's the struggle they're facing. Yes, it is tremendous physical pain, but they're separated from experiencing life or aspects of life and pain more ways than the physical. Put it this way, church, they woke up every morning and looked in the mirror and they hated what they saw. See, this is a story about us. 
They looked up every morning or wake up every morning, looked in the mirror, and they realized that they were powerless to fix it. You see, what they saw when they reflected upon their life, because they didn't get a chance, they didn't have the opportunity to pretend it didn't exist. Okay? So they saw death. They saw decay when they looked at their life. They saw destruction. They saw separation. What did they see? They saw futility in life. What's the point of tomorrow if this is my condition? That's what they saw when they looked at themselves in the mirror. And of course, this is not terribly unlike life before knowing who Christ is and what Christ wants for you and me. See, Jesus doesn't look at our life and see the death, decay, the ugly. Jesus looks at our life and he turns around the death, decay, the ugly. He says, now you have hope for tomorrow. Now you have a reason for being. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but eternally. But at this point, at this stage in their life, what they knew was they were facing death and could not change it. Couldn't fix it. And they were separated from all that they loved. Continuing on in verse 12, they stood at a distance, now verse 13. I don't know why that's broken there. That's bothered me forever, that that verse is broken right there in the middle of that sentence. Who am I to argue, though, right? They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Called out in a loud voice from a distance. Master, by the way, we, 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 we twist the word master. Well, last week we, we learned that we have twisted the word good Master doesn't mean owner, although if you're talking to Jesus, I think that's perfectly fitting. Master means one in command. That's what the word master means, the one in command, the one in charge, the one that's got the control, the one that's got the power. That's what master means. And so they rightfully call out to Jesus, master. Now, they don't get too close to him. You see, because they're separated, by, by law, by Jewish law, they're not allowed to be close to him. They're not allowed to walk along with him. They're not allowed to embrace him. Put it this way, they are distant yet, they're distant still, but that didn't stop them from calling out to Jesus. Look, we're not walking along together. We're not spending life together at this point, at this place, at this moment. But my goodness, if you let that stop you from calling out to Jesus, you're never going to be close to Jesus again. You're never going to be healed by Jesus again. It didn't stop them. I don't care how many people were around. I don't care what other people thought. I don't care how far away they were from Jesus or how much they knew about Jesus or didn't know about Jesus. It didn't stop them from saying, Jesus, help me. Help me. Why do they say this? Why do they cry out in such a way? What makes them different from so many people today? Because they came to grips with their condition. They knew that I'm lost. They knew that I need heal. I need something that I can't provide. This is why we have thanksgiving. They knew there was something different about Jesus, and they knew he was in control. They might not have had all the details, but they knew that much. They knew by what they'd seen in the past... In the past, in people's lives, they knew by what they had heard, the same reason we know Jesus is Jesus, by what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've read. It's the very same way we know. And they stood at a distance, recognizing their condition and calling out one of hopelessness and helplessness. The word pity here 
It means, Jesus, have compassion on me. In other words, Jesus, save me, help me. You don't owe it to me. I haven't earned it. There's nothing I can do to save myself. Jesus, just save me, help me. That's what the word means, compassion, through divine grace specifically. What were they really asking for? Yes, they were asking for relief, physical relief. They were asking for to be transformed. They were asking for beauty. They were asking for restoration. They were asking for healing, all of these things. But all of these things point at a larger request that was taken away from, and they, well, they want it back. They said, Jesus, give us our life back. Give us our life back. Because we don't have it now. It's been robbed from us. It's been taken from us. And we want life again. See, we want joy again. We want to be able to wake up tomorrow and know that there's a reason. We want to be able to wake up tomorrow and know that we can continue to live and experience the love and life and joy of this life. They'd been cast out. And they want Jesus to return life to them. Jesus, give us the joy we once tasted as a child. Give us peace again. Make us whole again. You see, they're asking Jesus to take the futility of life away and replace it with purpose and hope for tomorrow. And they couldn't do it. How many times... This is, this is kind of a tearjerker. How many times... What do you think it was like the first day they realized something was wrong? They looked down at their hand and they realized that they now have a disease. You know, something that's going to cast them out. Something that's going to separate them from everyone else. How many times do you think they tried to hide it? How many times do you think they tried to cover it up? Not only to help themselves, but in order to not put others in danger. How many times do you think they wore, as it were, the mask? They say, I've tried it all and nothing works, nothing satisfies. Again, church, this is you and me. I am the leper. You are the leper. At least we are before Jesus. We are bereft of joy. And why are we bereft of joy? Because we have no hope. We have no peace. We have no purpose. We have no meaning. We have no future. Why do we have no joy prior to Jesus? Because we are separated from our Father's Thanksgiving table. I guarantee you, none of them were invited to dinner. None of them. Verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Listen closely to this, church, because if you miss this, then you miss the whole point. Go. Show yourself. In other words, you called out to me for something. Now act upon that trust. Time after time after time after time, we are bellyaching and bellyaching. We refuse to experience and acknowledge thanksgiving because we refuse to act upon the trust in which we claim. Jesus says, go. If you trust me, trust me. Go and show yourself this is action. If you want to have life restored, you need to live out your trust. 
Notice, they were cleansed on the way. The priest had nothing to do with it. The destination had nothing to do with the healing. I'm going to be fixed once I get to heaven. Well, you got the wrong way around. The destination had nothing to do with the healing. The believing Jesus and trusting in this incredible gift that he's going to give you, that's what caused the healing. And I'm going to act upon the words of Jesus Christ. You see, this is where and when their lives came back to them. This is where and when they were cleansed. This is where and when their joy and their peace and their purpose came back to them. Tomorrow now had hope instead of hopelessness. Because Jesus said go and they said we've tried everything else. Okay. Thanksgiving is robbed from us, church. When we think we can have Thanksgiving and leave Jesus out of the equation. It doesn't work that way. Their whole purpose is given back to them because of Jesus. So why did he say, go and show yourself to the priest? He could have said, go home. And on their way, they were cleansed. He could have said, walk from this tree to that tree. And on their way, they were cleansed. Why did he say, go and show yourselves to the priest? He wanted them to go and show themselves to the priest to be declared clean. Let's put it another way. Go and show yourself to the authority and show that you are clean. We talked about this last week, didn't we? Righteousness is given. We stand before the righteous judgment of God our Father. And he says, you have a right standing with me. Go and show yourself to the authority because I have cleaned you. You see, this is what Jesus does. Go and show yourself in our earthly sense to the one who determines restoration or separation and show them that you are clean. Show them that you have been found righteous for you and me, that we are in a right standing before the authority. You see, this is why he wanted to send them to the priests. Trust me and then go before the authority. Church life was given back to them as a gift but only after they trusted Him. Sometimes we expect a real show with the work of Jesus in our life. And this is why we're always disappointed. This is why we get to Thanksgiving and we ask ourselves, what's the point? Because a lot of the gifts and the way, the work, or the way Jesus works in our lives don't come with an aha moment. They come with submission to the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus simply doesn't work that way oftentimes. Look, calming the storm is big and it's immediate and it's obvious. That's an incredible miracle. But here, Jesus doesn't use flash. He doesn't use thunder from heaven. He didn't even lay his hands on him. He simply told him to trust him and go. Here's the gift. Here's the gift. 15 through 16, one of them. When he saw he was healed, came back, praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. The, the, one who, the one who realized the significance of what had happened, the one who realized that praise and honor and glory ought to be given to God was the Samaritan. Put it this way, he wasn't even a part of the, the group. He wasn't even the, uh, let's put it in our, in our context, wasn't even the churchgoer. But he realized. That an incredible gift of life has now been given to him, and that's what he focused on. 
he realized that it wasn't just necessary, it was desirable to thank Jesus for what he's done in his life, to worship him, to praise him. And so he returned, and Jesus noticed. This is something we need to remember when it comes to Thanksgiving. Jesus noticed. In fact, he points it out in 17 through 19. Jesus asked him, were not all ten cleansed? <laughs> Wait, but did I, did I mess this up somehow? Did, did my faith not work here? Did the Holy Spirit work through me? Not, not, did, did we miss one? Did we miss nine? He said, no, there was a lot of people saved essentially. There was a lot of people whose life was given back to them. Why aren't they worshiping me? Why aren't they thanking me for the real stuff, the big stuff, the important stuff? Why is their heart not calling out, crying out, laying itself at my feet? Did I, did I not leave a big enough impact? We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? He notices. He doesn't say, ah, don't worry. Forget about it. It's not important. Just so long as you're happy. That's, that's, that's all I care about. No, he pointed it out right away because he noticed. He says, this is bad for them to not give thanks. Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Jesus, while not basing his own worth on our thanksgiving, once again to the beginning of our message knows two things. Number one, it's right that we express thanksgiving. Number two, it is good for us that we express thanksgiving. You see, this gives us perspective. That's what thanksgiving does. Give thanks in all circumstances. Even the bad times, yes, even the bad times. Even the hard times, even the hard times. I can't... There's many days where you don't want to do what you have to do. You don't want to have the conversation you got to have. You don't want to complete the task that you got to complete. There's many days these things happen. And in the midst of that, if Thanksgiving comes pouring out, you begin to see the incredible blessing and the incredible work and the incredible patience of Jesus Christ in your life. This is why Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks on the beautiful days and give thanks on the cloudy days. Because it's good for you. It doesn't strengthen God. It draws us closer to who He is and what He is. You see, Thanksgiving, church, is peace. Thanksgiving's perspective. That's what Thanksgiving, that's what today is. That's what tonight is as we come around our table. That's what Thursday is or whenever you celebrate this one day of Thanksgiving. You get the chance to do that every day, peace and perspective. And so the man came back and he thanked him. Notice what he didn't do. Notice what the healed man did not do. He did not offer Jesus anything for this incredible gift that he'd been given. He didn't offer Jesus anything but his heartfelt thanks. He didn't offer money. He didn't offer to do a job for him. He didn't even promise to be really, really good from now on in return for your service. Now, we should live up to the righteousness that we have been granted, right? We are given a right standing before the Father. Now, Paul says, hey, live up to that. Live up to that. That's good. That's right to live up to that right standing. We should do good works because we're sons and daughters of God. Yes, all of those things are true. Should we, in some sense, pay him back for his grace and his love and his blessings that he pours out upon us? 
No. No. You have just ruined that gift. You know what I'm talking about, right? You ever receive a Christmas present and feel guilty because you didn't get a Christmas present for somebody else? Don't do that. Don't ruin that gift for them. Don't ruin that gift for them. They wanted to give to you. Don't turn that into a wage. Don't hate them that much that you go out and buy something. Don't ruin that for them. Don't ruin this gift from Jesus Christ. That somehow now I've got to repay him back for this incredible love and blessing and grace that he's poured out upon me. I respond often to the commands in the word. I respond often to living up to this righteousness, but it is in no way repayment for what Jesus has done. What are you going to pay him back with anyway? Here's, think about this. When you accept Jesus, you give him your life, right? This is what we say. I accept Jesus. I give him my life. That's me. That's everything. I have given him everything. What are you going to pay him back with then? You don't have anything. You got nothing. Here, let me, nothing. Stop trying to pay him back. See, we got an acceptance problem. This is one of the reasons we don't experience Thanksgiving because we have an acceptance problem. Ashley asked me if I was going to use this, and I think I'm going to. You ever, you ever, you ever walk, you ever see the, uh, the, I lost the word, fast food, fast food lines. You ever see the fast food lines at the drive-thru, like McDonald's or something, you know, and you're in line, and you realize that the car in front is paying for the meal for the car behind. You ever seen one of those? Yeah, yeah, you ever seen? You ever wonder how long that lasts? You ever wonder how long that goes? Maybe I've shared this with you. If I'm behind you in line, just know it stops with me. Every time. Every time. I mean, if I'm behind you, it ain't going to go any further. You see, because everybody thinks people in that line are generous. I don't think people in that line are generous. I think one person was generous, and everybody else has an acceptance problem. They just can't accept a gift. I get to the window, they say, the car in front of you, pay for your meal. I said, well, thank you so much. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. First time I did that, I had to make myself do it. I really did. I thought, this isn't right. I feel guilty about this, think I got to repay. See, we don't have, we, we got an acceptance problem sometimes. When you sit around your Thanksgiving table, church, if you think you've got to repay anything, if you think you've got to work really, really hard to earn somehow this love, this eternal life in Jesus Christ, you're not going to have Thanksgiving. All you're going to be doing is waiting on a paycheck. You're going to work. That's a wage. The only way to experience Thanksgiving is to accept the love and grace and peace and perspective generosity of Jesus. I'm reminded of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman, he was a, he was a Syrian commander. He's very, very good. And he, he honored God. He, was, he recognized who God was. But Naaman also had leprosy. Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. So he was told about Elisha by a servant. And Naaman, Naaman searched out Elisha to be healed of his leprosy. 2 Kings chapter 5, this will be on your screen. Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God after he was healed. He stood before him and said, I know that there is no God in all the world except Israel. Naaman was healed 
from his leprosy. Then he says this, so please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet Elisha answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. He said, Naaman, you don't get it. You, you didn't earn this. This was a gift. You, you don't pay back for this. This was a gift. Now, we're challenged to give, and we will be challenged to give here a little bit later on. But all of those things must come out of love and generosity, not out of this idea that we can pay Jesus back for this life that he's given us. When it comes to Thanksgiving, tonight, today, Thursday, whenever, tomorrow, the day after, 14 days from now, when it comes to Thanksgiving, we need to make sure we don't have an acceptance problem. Because, church, anybody who sits at the table or at the cross and thinks that this is somehow something they can earn or a wage or something they have to pay back is never going to experience Thanksgiving in their life. Anyone who assumes a trade must be involved will never experience Thanksgiving. Anyone who is guilted into making an offering will never experience Thanksgiving. We ought to, ought to properly give thanks to God for His grace, which by definition is undeserved. So, as we reflect on our own life, what is my GQ? What's my gratitude quotient? Do I understand what gratitude is? Can I accept gifts, particularly gifts of life from Jesus? As we approach every day, not just the Thanksgiving holiday, we should show gratitude towards Jesus because it changes you and me. We should reflect upon how important that is and how seriously we take it. And ask yourself the question, are you in the camp of the nine? Is your gratitude quotient pretty low? Do we ask, do we pray, do we petition, do we want God to pour out blessings upon us? Do we receive those blessings in abundance and then just walk away? Ah, it's not important. He doesn't care. Oh, trust me, he knows. This is what we say, right? Oh, he knows. He knows, trust me, he knows. Well, get on your knees then. Thank you what Jesus has done, this life He's given us. We pray for His guidance, His protection, His abundance. Or do we find ourselves in the camp of the one, in other words, the camp of the few? Do we find ourselves willing and wanting to fall at the feet of Christ? In church, you could do this daily. I challenge you to do it daily. Every morning you wake up, and I mean particularly on the bad days, start with thanking Him. We screw this up all the time. Start with thanking Him. See how your mind changes and your heart changes, your perspective changes, your gratitude changes. When you start thanking God for what He has done, for who He is, for what He is. A high IQ is generally accepted as a good thing. It helps us grow. It prepares us for the future. It builds us mentally and strengthens us emotionally. A high GQ is no less important. It prepares us to receive future blessings. It keeps things in perspective. And it keeps the entire world in which we live, our trials and our victories, in that proper perspective. Our thank you humbles us before God, recognizing that He is God and we are not. That He is the Master. And we get to be the servant. Our GQ strengthens us mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So ask yourself, and this is reflection, what really is my gratitude quotient? See, nobody else can do this for you. This is your own heart, your own mind. 
What's the gratitude quotient of myself? What about my family? What about my home? Is it a constant thing to thank Jesus? I titled this message, Happy Eucharist. Um, Eucharist, it's, it's, um, it's not a term that we often use in Restoration Movement churches. Um, and I don't know why. I have no idea why, so don't ask me. Probably tradition. I, I don't know. It doesn't make any difference. Happy Eucharist. Eucharist, the word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Eucharist. We get the opportunity in more ways than one to thank Jesus for incredible gifts in our life. The verb, to give thanks, Eucharisteo. The noun, Eucharistia, thank you. Matthew 26 says this, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, there's your word, to have given thanks, Eucharistesis, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, this is the blood of my covenant, or this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Church, a day of thanksgiving is perfectly fine. That's right, and that's good, and we ought to do that. I like that we do that. It was specifically set aside for a day of prayer. Um, I'm trying to remember my history now. 200 years, roughly, after the... Forget about all that. It was specifically set aside as a day of prayer, thanksgiving. And we ought to do this. This is right, and this is good. But we know from 1 Thessalonians 5 that we ought to have a daily life of thanksgiving. For that is God's will for you. But church, look, communion, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, the Lord's Table, the breaking of bread, the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. You need to understand that this is the Christian's ceremony of thanks. That's what this is. The Christian's ceremony of thanks now of course jesus says do this in remembrance of me because it's very hard to say thank you without knowing who we're thanking right but this is your ceremony this is your gift of not only remembrance but this chance to not only thank jesus but be a part of the proclamation of jesus that he is who he says he is and what he has done for you in your life is to give it, to offer life. We offer up to God our gift of thanks for the salvation that Jesus bought for you and me on the cross. We are remembering right now the most important event in your life. This is the most important event in your life, your spouse's life, your kid's life. This is the single most important thing that has ever happened and ever will happen. In fact, it's the single most important event in all of human history. I suppose other than creation, maybe. And then we get to Jesus, salvation. This is what we get. Now, I don't know how you've done this in the past, and that's, that's fine. But today, today we have a long reminder that we get a chance to accept, fully accept, 
this gift from Jesus. To fully accept that, yeah, he did give his blood for you. That he did give his body for you. That he did, as you're walking away, cleanse you, right? That he gave you life again. This is a heartfelt thank you. Let's remember that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what we're about to do. I thank you that we get this chance right here. I thank you for these, these men back here. I thank you for them. I thank you that they're about to serve this. Father, I ask that you honor them for doing this. I thank you that we get to be a part of it. I thank you that you've given us now in your, something tangible that we can see, that we can feel, that we can smell to remember what Jesus has done for us. And Father, we, we acknowledge that we do not in any way earn this. We, we can't pay you back for this at all. But today, here, this morning, we simply accept an incredible gift that you have given us. You gave us our life back. And we thank you for that, Father. Our kids thank you for that. Our spouses thank you for that. Our parents, our loved ones thank you for that. That you've given us life again. This is what we remember, Father. Help us to remember this. Help us to remember the love of Jesus now, here. In his name we pray. Amen. Father, once again, we thank you. I thank you for these band members, these people up here playing and singing. Um, I thank you for the gifts that you have given them. I thank you for the people in this room, Father. I thank you for the people that are a part of this body of this church. I thank you for the people that get to experience Thanksgiving this week and Thanksgiving this moment. I thank you that this meal right here is just but one that we get to celebrate with. I thank you, Father, that we have hope not just for tomorrow, but hope for forever because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Why don't you sing?
happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you tonight. See you later on. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You're dismissed. Good morning. <clears throat> well, I told you I wanted to remind you of a few things. Um, one of those is Marmon Valley. Always. You're not alone like you do. Yeah, you're like, yep, exactly. That's right, preacher. I'm rejoicing all the time. You're rejoicing right now, aren't you? Yep, look at you. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. This is what we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, and I, don't have to, I don't have to tell you that to look at that, to read that, it's pretty difficult, isn't it? To, to rejoice in all circumstances, to pray continually, to give thanks all the time, to give thanks in every circumstance. And we say to ourselves, well, that's kind of nice. I mean, it's a nice sentiment. It's um, maybe a nice idea, maybe a nice suggestion. Well, the problem is it's not a suggestion it's not a suggestion for you and me. It's, it's a command. This is a command from God, and it's not to you and me. It's a command for you and me. It's not a command to us. It's a command for us. An opportunity, a gift that we have been given. This way to perceive life, to gain proper perspective, to carry us through good days, bad days, hard times, easy times. Sunny days, cloudy days, to have the proper perspective in our life. And this is what we're told, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is really what He wants for you. That's what that is. This is what He wants for you. In Christ, to give thanks. Give thanks for what? Give thanks for not just today, but the hope for tomorrow, and also our certainty of forever. Let me ask you a question. What is, uh, what is your, what's your IQ? That's a loaded question. I if you don't want to answer that, don't answer it. Matter of fact, you may not know what your IQ is. I don't know what my IQ is, and I don't want to know. That's an answer I don't want, right? You, you may have, I don't, some of you may know what your IQ is. <clears throat> your intelligence quotient, that's what that means. Your intelligence quotient. And I don't know, there's places you can go, there's probably tests you can take, people you can talk to to figure out what your IQ is. Um, I suspect that you can go your entire life and never know what your IQ is and be perfectly fine. Okay, so if you don't know what it is, that's fine. However, I don't think that's the only thing you ought to address because there's other things you need to address in your life, and if you don't, you're going to leave yourself without. You're going to leave yourself without. You're not going to gain what God wants you to have. You're not going to gain the desired will for God or of God for you in your life. 
You're going to fail to have the proper perspective. You're going to fail to have this preparation, this armor about you, essentially, as you go through life, and you're going to fail to express the proper gratitude in your life. So you may not know what your IQ is, but what about your GQ? Your GQ, and I'm not talking about Gentleman's Quarterly, the magazine. I'm not with the models in there. No, I've, I haven't worked with them for a while. I'm talking about your gratitude quotient. Your gratitude quotient. Now, intelligence quotient, we may not know. But gratitude quotient is something we need to take seriously. You see, your intelligence quotient doesn't just talk about how, oh, how smart you are, the knowledge that you have. It also talks about the potential that you have to gain, to gain knowledge, gain wisdom, to act upon that wisdom properly. Gratitude quotient is the same thing. How should I be expressing gratitude? Why should I express gratitude? But more importantly, what is the depth of that gratitude as I go through life, as I see life through eyes of thanksgiving? How do I do it? What's the proper way and what's the proper time? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that we can be challenged a little bit today, that we can uh, reflect upon our own hearts, our, our lives, our minds. Father, we know that you and, and, and us, we can do that, but no one else can, Father. So help us. Help us see our gratitude, our thanksgiving in our lives and the significance importance of it. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. You've heard this story before, at least many of you have heard this story before. We talk uh, to kids about this. We teach kids this story often, <clears throat> and we teach the importance of thanksgiving. But one of the things that we don't show, or, or usually when it comes to kids, sometimes they're just not quite ready for this, we don't realize that this whole story is talking about you and me. This whole story that we're going to read today is talking about us. It's talking about the human being. It's talking about the human condition. It's talking about prior to the Christian walk and the Christian walk. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to start in verse 11. And again, you've probably heard this before. I'll just read through the whole thing. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Leprosy is very... Uh, hard disease, very di difficult, dangerous disease. It often leads to death. It's very painful. Now, when the Bible uses the word leprosy, usually uh, they're talking about leprosy, but they're also talking about just a number of different types of illnesses, a number of different types of skin diseases and so forth. But 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? The Samaritan, he's, he's, he's from out of town, all right? Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. God is not changed 
by our thanksgiving. He is not strengthened by our thanksgiving. His nature doesn't change. His character doesn't change. By our thanksgiving, his eyes are not suddenly opened, and he tells himself, well, I guess they appreciated that, or I guess that was a good thing for me to do. We don't inform God in our thanksgiving. So why is thanksgiving, why is the expression of gratitude so very important? Just like everything else, all of these other commands that were given throughout Scripture, it is good for you and it's good for me. It's good for you and it's good for me. I suggest to you that if we don't understand how good Thanksgiving is for, for us, that we've never really experienced Thanksgiving, real Thanksgiving, authentic Thanksgiving, heartfelt Thanksgiving, and with the transformations and perspective that can come from Thanksgiving. Here, we look at you and we look at me. We see humanity. In verse 12, we find this, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Ten men. Ten men who had a problem. Ten men who had a problem. They were dying. Ten men who were dying, and not only were they dying, but ten men who were cast out, separated from the rest of society. Put it this way, separated from that which they love, separated from that which they want, separated from that which gives peace and joy, separated from they can't go home, they can't go to work, they can't be with their friends, they're separated, they've got a problem. Their whole lives are surrounded by death and decay, separated from different aspects of life and experiencing different parts of life. Yes, they were in pain, but in more ways than just the physical. Put it this way, here's ten men. Think of yourself. They looked in the mirror every morning and they hated what they saw. They looked in the mirror and they hated what they saw. And what's worse, they were powerless to fix it. Powerless to fix it. Sometimes that mirror reflects the physical. Sometimes that mirror reflects the heart. Sometimes that mirror reflects the mind. Sometimes that mirror reflects the past. It reflects hopelessness of the future. Sometimes it reflects confusion. Sometimes it reflects all kinds of things, anger and bitterness and frustration. They looked in the mirror, and they hated what they saw. You see, what they saw in the mirror was death. They saw decay. They saw destruction. They saw separation. Here's really the point. When they looked in the mirror, they saw futility in life. What's the point of tomorrow? What's the point of happiness? What's the point of joy? What's the point of planning? What's the point of building? What's the point of looking forward to anything but right now? Because what I see is destruction. What I see is hopelessness, pointlessness as I look at myself. And that's certainly not terribly unlike life at least before Christ. And I hope that's not your life after Christ. Because if it is, then you don't understand Jesus. Jesus is there to give us hope, but not just hope. He reminds us of our purpose and our mission and our value and the fact that all this stuff, even the things we are thankful for, but certainly the trials, hardships, struggles, and difficulties of this life at some point come to an end. Now, we either come to an end with it, that is eternal separation, or we get to experience what real life is meant to be. Real life is meant to be. You see, this is what Jesus does. 
He says, don't give up now. There's a lot more, a lot more coming, a lot more on the way. And this is what happens when we understand the message of the cross and understand the message of Jesus' sacrifice, this incredible gift that He has given you and me. We can see hopelessness and death and separation. We can see confusion. But Jesus, hopefully we see the love and sacrifice of Christ. He died for each of us. <clears throat> Continuing on in verse 12. They stood at a distance in verse 13 and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They called out to Him, Master. Now, we, we twist the word Master again. Well, last week, we realized we twist the word good sometimes to make it mean something we never, it never meant. Master is the same way. Sometimes we think of Master, we think of owner, but that's not what Master means. Master means the one in command. That's what it means. Master is the one in command, the one in charge. You see, they don't know a whole lot about Jesus. They can't know a whole lot about Jesus. They're separated, aren't they? They don't live life with Him. They don't live in the same house. They don't walk around with Him. It's not like the disciples. It's not like they're sharing meals together and breaking bread together. They're not even allowed to be close to Him because of the laws of the day. But what do they know about Jesus? They know that He offers something that no one else does. That Jesus offers a gift that nobody else can give. Nothing in the world has been able to do this. There's something different about Jesus, and they realize that He's in control. They know it the same way we know it, by what they've seen and what they've heard, what we've read. This is how we know who Jesus is. And they didn't know all about Jesus, but it didn't stop them from yelling, did it? It didn't stop them from calling out, crying out, Jesus, I need you. I need something. I need your assistance. I need your help. I need your salvation. Look at me. I'm hopeless at this point. I need something. Why do they cry out? Because they come to grips with their own condition. This is one of the reasons we don't experience thanksgiving. This is one of the reasons we don't experience gratitude. Because we don't come to grips with our condition prior to Christ. Prior to Christ, we are the lepers. You are the leper. I'm the leper. The leper of the heart. The leper of the mind, the leper of the future. That's what we are. And until we realize that, until we recognize that, we will lose the sense of thanksgiving, never really experiencing it. Prior to Christ, when we realize our condition, it's one of hopelessness and helplessness. And so they say, have pity on us. That aleo, that means compassion. Have compassion, help us. We need your help because we've tried it ourselves and it doesn't work. Specifically, we need your divine grace, undeserved favor. What are they really asking for? They're separated from all that they know. Their, their, their entire definition is one of death, decay, and destruction. Yes, they're asking for relief, certainly. They're asking to be changed physically. They're asking for beauty, perhaps. They're asking for restoration. They're asking for healing. Yes, all of these things, are, they are asking for Jesus. But it all points to a larger request. They're saying, Jesus, give us life again. Give us life again. Because right now, all we're doing is breathing in and out and waiting to die. Give us life. Give us, give us, give us the joy we once tasted when we were children. Give us peace that we can't find anyplace else. I don't know how you're going to do it. 
I don't even know why you would do it based upon my condition. But I know you can. And I know you're willing to give us life back. Take away the futility of life and give us purpose and hope for tomorrow. How many times, how many times do you think they tried to cover it up? You ever think about that? When you, when you see things like this, they know they're going to be separated. They know this is sort of the end, essentially, of what they know as life. And they wake up one morning and they realize maybe on their hand that something is happening. Imagine the fear that grips them. Imagine covering that up and, and then going on about your day and then trying to hide it the next day. And you realize day after day after day, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And, and what they're looking forward to, what they're staring down the barrel of, essentially, is separation of the loss of many aspects of life, just existing until they die. They've tried everything at this point, if they're like me, and nothing satisfies. And again, church, this is you and me. I'm the leper. You're the leper. Prior to Christ, there's no reason that we shouldn't be bereft of joy and hope and peace and purpose. Prior to Christ, we never really understand our value, our eternal value. Put it this way, prior to Jesus, we're separated from the Father's Thanksgiving table. I guarantee you, nobody invited these ten men to dinner. We're separated from the table. When he saw them in verse 14, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This is important because if you don't realize this, then I don't think you're going to get the point of the, the story. I don't think you're going to get to understand the significance of thanksgiving and the change that can make in your own life. I experienced this just this morning, by the way, from one person, one person in this body. And I was able to leave that moment, go into my office, and give thanks for that one person. And it completely changed the way I have seen today. It's real, guys. Jesus says, go. He says, do. This is action. This is, look, you trust me to heal you, then trust me. If you trust me to heal you, then obey. If you trust me to heal you, then live out that trust. Once again, thanksgiving slips through our grasp. Because we say, Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need salvation. Jesus, I need this. Jesus, I crave this. Jesus, I want that. And Jesus is handing it out with both hands. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do. I want you to take it. And we say, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Just let it show up, will you? And we miss Thanksgiving once again. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. If you trust me. He says, I want you to go. He says to these lepers, these ten men, if you want to have life restored, you need to trust. And, and, and by the way, they, as they went, they were cleansed. The priest had nothing to do with it. The priest had nothing to do with it. The destination had nothing to do with their transformation. Well, I'll be fixed once I get to heaven. Not according to this. According to this is part of the journey. According to this, this is part of the walk. To be cleansed, to be changed, to be made righteous. Acting on their trust had everything to do with it. This is the acceptance of the gift of Jesus Christ. It's the acceptance of a gift that only He can give. 
This is where and when their lives came back to them when they said, okay. It wasn't when they asked, it was when they said, okay. It was when they accepted what Jesus said. It's when their lives came back to them. Tomorrow turned from hopelessness to hope when they accepted what Jesus said. Their whole purpose was given back to them because of what Jesus said. Why why did he even say then, go to the priests? He could have said, walk home, and they were cleansed on their walk home. He could have said, walk from this tree to that tree, and they were cleansed when they did that. Why did he say, go and show yourselves to the priests? He wanted them to go from where they were to the temple, to the priest, because the priest, this Old Testament law, this is this is what lays out these laws that says, okay, if you have leprosy, you need to be separated, you need to be, you know, well, separated from everything that you love. I mean, you, you need to be on your own. He said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave here and go to the priest so that you can show him that you are clean. Put it this way, I want you to trust me and then go before the one of authority and show him that you are indeed clean. See, we talked about this last week as we stand before the righteous Father, the judgment of the Father in a right standing with the Father. The Son says, go show him. You're fine. Go show him. I've given you a gift. I've given you a gift of salvation. Go show him and be declared clean. Life was given back to them as a gift. But it was only after they accepted it. It was only after they trusted it. Trying to keep my clock and, and sometimes we expect a real show, and, and Jesus does sometimes work in a real show. I mean, when he was calming the storm, right, that was quite a miracle. Sometimes a lot of these miracles, a lot of these gifts, a lot of these things he does in our lives in order to help us clean us, in order to refine us, in order to sanctify us, they aren't done with a tremendous show, lightning and thunder. He didn't use a flash when he was talking to these ten men. He simply said, go. In other words, obey me, show faith that. Verses 15 through 16 says this, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He was from out of town. I mean, for our purposes today, This was a Samaritan, not a good Jewish boy. This was not a church member. Let's put it this way, right? He'd never been there. He was just grouped with them, happened to be grouped with them, and realized the incredible significance of the gift of the work of Jesus Christ in his life. Everybody else really didn't care. They just kept moving. They were happy. But they didn't think about gratitude. They didn't think about thanksgiving. They didn't think about praise and worship. What they thought about is let's move on with life. But one, one came back and said, thank you. He was the one that felt it not just necessary to give thanks to Jesus Christ, but desirable to give thanks to Jesus. It changed not only his life, but it's changed his whole perspective of who and what God is as he praises and worships God. So we return to thank Jesus. And here's here's what you, you read here. Jesus noticed. He noticed. He noticed the one who said thanks. In fact, he noticed the ones who didn't. 
he noticed. This is what his reply was in, in uh, verse 17. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Did, did I mess up here? You mean the other nine, they're not, they're not saved? That, the life wasn't given back to them? Why are they throwing away this chance of thanksgiving? Why are they throwing away this chance of gratitude, perspective, this chance of growth, this tra- chance of strengthening? We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Because this is good for them. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. He never said, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. He didn't tell those that do not have thanks, that do not express gratitude. He didn't say, oh, no, so long as you're happy, that's all right. Pat them on the hand. He said, what's wrong with you? Where are they? Why would you not fall at your knees and thank the God of heaven and earth for the gift that he has given you? He has just granted you life again. And this for our benefit, not his. You see, while not basing his own worth on our thanksgiving, Jesus does know two things. Number one, it is right that we express thanksgiving to God on a daily basis. Number two, it is good for us that we do it. That is the whole point that we express thanksgiving Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because we can give thanks in the hard times and in the easy times. We can find strength on the difficult days. We can find perspective. And that's really what thanks is. Thanks is peace. Thanks is peace. Thanks is humility. We realize that it's a gift given to us. And so this is what the one man did. But notice what the healed man did not do. Notice what the healed man did not do. He did not offer anything to Jesus, but his heartfelt thanks. Heartfelt thanks. You see, this is why we say sacrifice of, well, I'll get there in a second. He offered his heartfelt thanks. He did not offer Jesus money. He didn't offer to do a job for him. He didn't promise that he'd be really, really good now and thank you for your service. Now look. We should live up to the righteousness that we have been granted. We should live up to the right standing that we have before the Father. We know that through Scripture. We should do good things because we are sons and daughters of the King. Absolutely. Shouldn't we, in some sense, pay Jesus back for His grace and His love, this gift? No. No. And if you've ever thought that, this is why you're missing Thanksgiving. This is why maybe you've gone your whole lives and never truly experienced Thanksgiving. We are not to pay Jesus back by how we act. Now, we act in response, but we do not act as payment. Do you understand that? It's not a wage. You ever, you ever, you ever have somebody buy you a Christmas gift and you feel guilty because you didn't give them a gift? Don't do that. Don't do that. What are you doing? You are ruining that gift from them. You're ruining that for them. Why do you hate them that much? Why do you hate them so much that you want to get them a gift? Stop. Stop. Accept the gift. That's what they wanted. They wanted to give you something because they love you, because they care about you, because that... It's just the way they wanted to express it in that time. Jesus has given us a gift. 
He's given us a gift of life. He gave our lives back to us. Don't think that you have to buy that. Don't think you have to trade for that. And once we do, we'll fail to see Thanksgiving. The problem is, and it'll start trickling out into other parts of our lives too, won't it? Now other people have to earn it, or you have to earn it. It's nonsense, guys. It's a lie. Don't believe that lie. I've seen it. I've seen it play out in relationships. Accept the gift. Guys, we've got a... We've got an acceptance problem, and maybe I've shared this with you before, but, but we need to realize that gifts are gifts from Jesus, and we need to accept it. You might say, I'll pay you back. When you accept this gift of Jesus, when you accept this life of Jesus, we give Him our lives, right? That's what we say. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And now you say, or you think, or you propose that in some way you can pay Him back for this life. With What? You've given him your life. What do you have left? That's why it's called sacrifice of praise, because praise is the only thing we have left. That's the only thing we have left. So it's not a trade here, church. We need to make sure we have acceptance of the wonderful and beautiful gift of Jesus because he loves us. You ever seen the fast food lines? I've probably shared this with you before. Maybe, I don't know, it's been 10 years. I've probably told this story. The fast food lines, like a McDonald's or something, you're in the fast food line, you realize that the car in front is paying for like the car behind and so forth. You know how that goes? They pay for the meal. One guy pays a meal for the car behind, that car pays for the meal, the car behind, that car pays for the meal. You ever wonder how long that goes? Just so you're aware, if I'm in the line, it stops with me. <laughs> okay? Stops with me. Every time. Because I don't think everybody in that line is being generous. I think one person was generous and the rest of them have an acceptance problem. That's what I think. One person's generous. The others don't know how to take a gift. I know how to take a gift. Well, the car in front of you paid for your meal. Oh, that's very nice. I'll tell you this. The first time I did did that, I had to make myself do it. Sometimes it's not easy accepting an incredible gift from Jesus. Sometimes we do have to make ourselves do that and begin to see that. Begin to see what real thanksgiving is about. Begin to see what real gratitude is about. I'm, I'm reminded, this whole story reminds me of, of, Han- or of Naaman. In uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman was a serial, uh, not a serial, a Syrian commander. He was a Syrian commander, and he, he honored God, and he was a good commander. But he had leprosy as well. And he heard from a servant that Elisha was in town. And the servant said, well, you should go and see this prophet and maybe you can be healed. So Naaman goes and sees Elisha and Elisha does in fact heal him. He says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Interestingly, again, go and do, right? Go and do. He says, go and wash in the Jordan River. And then Naaman comes back. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. This is the same thing Jesus is doing when he's doing his healing miracles to show what he's actually about, the restoration, the healing of a person. And then Naaman says this, so please accept a gift from your servant. But it wasn't really a gift, it was payment. And that's when the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Church, when it comes to thanksgiving, we need to make sure we don't have an acceptance problem. Anyone who sits at their table or at the cross and thinks that in any way it's a wage that they have earned will never experience thanksgiving. 
anyone who thinks that this, this relies on a trade in any way will not experience thanksgiving. Anyone who's guilted into making an offering will never experience thanksgiving. We ought to properly give thanks to God for the grace that He shows each of us, which is, by definition, undeserved. So, what's your GQ? What's your gratitude quotient? Are you able to accept an incredible gift from Jesus? Are you able to express that gratitude? Not just today, but all the time. As you're waking, as you're sleeping, or as you're lying down to sleep, as you're going through your day, look, it's good and it's right to have a day of thanksgiving. This was, this was set aside uh, properly for a day of prayer and gratitude. But do we find ourselves in the camp of the nine, unable or unwilling or even slipping our mind of the significance of the gift of Jesus, the gift of life that He's given you? Or do we find ourselves in the camp of the few and we realize how important this Thanksgiving is to who we are and what we are as followers of Jesus Christ? A good a high IQ is generally accepted as a good thing, I think. Prepares us for the future, helps us mentally, strengthens us emotionally. A high GQ is no less important. It prepares us. It it prepares us to receive future blessing. It keeps the entire world in which we live, our trials and our victories, in proper perspective. It humbles us before God and before others. It strengthens us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You need to ask yourself, what is my gratitude quotient? Is it high or is it low? I titled this message, Happy Eucharist. We don't use the term Eucharist very often in Restoration Movement churches uh, to describe this meal that we're about to have. I don't know why we don't use it, so don't ask me. Um, Tradition, probably, who knows. But Eucharist means, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Eucharist, happy thanksgiving. The verb, Eucharisteo, to give thanks. Eucharistia means thanksgiving. Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, there's your word, Eucharist. That's to have given thanks, Eucharistisus. He gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Again, church, a day of thanksgiving is good. And we know from 1 Thessalonians, we, uh, this ought to be a daily way of life. But here, now, communion, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the upper room, the last supper, Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. This is the Christian's celebration of thanksgiving. This is the Christian's celebration. Now, it's a time of remembrance because it's very hard to say thank you if we don't know who you're you're saying thank you to. But it's a time of thanksgiving. And this is our ceremony. It's beautiful, isn't it? The beautiful ceremony of thanksgiving helps keep our days, our weeks in its proper place. We offer up to God the gift of thanks because of the salvation that we gain through Jesus Christ. You see, what we're remembering here is the most important event in your life. 
Do you believe that? The death and resurrection of Christ is the most important event in your life. It's the most important event in your children's life. It's the most important event in your loved ones' lives. It's the most important event in all of human history. The time Jesus gives us this incredible gift. He said, Jesus, we want our life back. He said, okay. And he gave his. And he gave his life for every person in this room. That's something to say thanks for, isn't it? Something to say thanks for. This is our beautiful celebration. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus died for us. We thank you that we do get to live. I don't know what it felt like, Father. I don't, I don't know what it's like watching something like that, this, this pain, this suffering, that guilt. But I know you went through that so that I could live. I know Jesus went through that so that I could live. I know that. I know that he did that for every, every person in this room. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Amen. your continued love. Thank you, Father, for your sacrifice. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this, the, the, the pain and yet also the beauty of the cross. Father, we thank you that it was a gift. We thank you that there is nothing we can do to earn it. We do want to respond, but not as a trade, Father, just because you love us and we love you. That's it. Father, as we come around our next table, either today or later this week, help us to remember, help us to thank you, please. Put it on our hearts, our minds, because we know this is beneficial for us. Help us to thank you for our temporary, our temporal blessing. But Father, help us to thank you more than all of that for the life that Jesus gives us and the life that we get to have, we get to own forever. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.
Church, speaking of Thanksgiving, you ever have something happen and or something breaks and you're like, well, somebody will get it, right? Somebody will fix it. Well, this is what just happened. And these folks up there and these folks right here, they are the somebodies. And, and here we are. Um, I just really appreciate it. I, I know Paul was able to preach without a microphone and without a screen and all that stuff. I've read that he could. But here we are. And these guys are scrambling around, and, and, and they fix it. They figure out what it is. And, I just, and they're singing, and they're doing all this stuff. I just really appreciate everything that they have done and you guys have done. I, I, I appreciate all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, let's thank God, and let's, let's be on our way to celebrate. Father, we do thank you once again. We thank you uh, that we have. We thank you that we can thank you. We thank you that we can express gratitude. We thank you that we can be humbled. We thank you, Father, that there are temporal blessings in our life that we recognize. We thank you, Father, that you have given us life. That tomorrow, whatever the hardship is, doesn't matter. Tomorrow, we can wake up knowing that we have a future destiny with you. That we didn't buy, we didn't earn. You just gave it to us, Father through the death of your son, trading life for life. And I thank you for that. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the hope and love that you give us. Father, as we come around our table, the next table we come around today, help us to remember that, please. Help us to remember the life you've given us through Jesus. Help us to accept it. It's in his name we pray. Amen.